Next, this month's special series, Focus on Global Medicine. ReachMD is taking an in-depth look at how medicine is working toward health and longevity for people around the world. Join us all this month for the latest medical research and treatment across borders. Tuberculosis continues to be a public health epidemic in India, especially among those living in the worst urban slums of the world. What challenges do physicians face when treating patients there? And has any progress been made in the effort to eradicate tuberculosis? You're listening to ReachMD Radio, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm your host, Dr. Maurice Pickard. And joining us today is Dr. Shelley Batra. Dr. Batra is a practicing gynecologist in New Delhi, India, and president of Operation Asha, a not-for-profit organization dedicated to fighting tuberculosis in the slum dwellers of India. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, Dr. Pickard. It's been over a year since we last talked, and before we get into the progress of your organization, I wonder if you could again tell us, what is Operation Asha? Operation Asha is a 501c3 nonprofit registered in Illinois, and we are basically doing tuberculosis treatment in the urban slums of Delhi, expanding rapidly to the neighboring states. We are taking treatment to the doorsteps of slum dwellers. What we want is that no patient should have to give up their work or wages in order to get treatment for tuberculosis. Now, I want to tell you a little bit about TB in India. 25% of the world's TB patients are in India itself. Each year, 3 million new cases are added, and half a million people die of TB in India. Every minute, an Indian dies of the disease. And in this scenario, we have to act fast and treat as many patients as possible in as short time as possible in order to prevent spread of the disease to India, to the neighboring countries, and even to the developed world. Now, the treatment that we are administering is DOTS, the directly observed therapy, short course prescribed by the World Health Organization. And in the DOTS model, the medicine has to be taken 70 times over a period of six to seven months, in the presence of a DOTS provider, medicines are not given for home consumption. And there is such a lot of problem that our patients are facing because existing centers are few and far between. They are open at inconvenient times. Patients have to spend the better part of the day going and standing in long lines to get their wages. And they have to go by bus. Now imagine people earning less than a dollar a day. What do they do if they have to miss their work for the day? How do they feed the family? So if the choice is between food for the family and between TB medicine, they choose food for the family. This is how default sets in and MDR results. So what we are doing, we are telling patients, you do not need to go to the public hospitals of far away, centers to get your medicine. We are opening centers deep in the urban slums at maybe a 10 minutes walking distance, open at a time and place convenient to patients. So there is minimal default. In fact, our default rate has come down to less than 1%. And this is what Operation Asha is all about, laying the last mile of the cable, the connectivity with the urban slum dwellers. Recently in the United States, there was a movie called Slumdog Millionaire. It depicts a certain type of person who makes his living picking rags. And I think you and I have talked about a phrase called rag pickers. Is this who the, your patients are, that the people that were in that film and lived in streets 
that really weren't streets and villages that really weren't villages? Yes. When we started our work in Operation Asha, we did a survey of all the slums, and we, we decided we'll work with the poorest of the poor. And we started our first TB treatment center in a rag pickers colony. Now, even amongst slum dwellers, there's a hierarchy. And the rag pickers are lowest because their raw material is the garbage they collect. And they live in that garbage. The whole area is just full of garbage and little shanties between the mountains of garbage where these people are living. And entire families are segregating garbage with their bare hands. Now, these people have so many diseases, so many types of infections. Their resistance is already weakened because of malnutrition and recurrent infections. And they live in overcrowded tiny rooms made of cardboard boxes. You know, maybe six or seven live in a space six feet by six feet. So imagine if one has tuberculosis, they all get the disease. There is no ventilation. And even if there was, there is no fresh air around. And when they are segregating garbage, some of them take inhalation drugs in order to uh, ward off the stench. So you can imagine how much their resistance is weakened due to these other problems that they, ha they are having. We are working extensively with the rag pickers of Delhi. And in fact, our major work has been with them. But now we have expanded to the other slums of Delhi and to the neighboring districts as well. Now, you said that your clinics are very close to your patients. But if your patient doesn't come, do you go to the patient? Yes. Our existing centers are deep in the urban slums. In fact, what we have done is that to dispense the medicine under direct observation, we have chosen providers from the community. So the temples, the churches, the small shops, all these centers are RTB treatment centers. These are open early morning and late at night. For example, in the Hindu temple where we have one of our centers, the priest has his first prayer at 6 in the morning and the last one at 9 at night. So little children going to school can take the medicine. Factory workers coming back from work late at night can get their medicine. And no one needs to know their privacy is insured. And this is how we are taking the medicines conveniently. But we also have a system of counselors. Now the counselors form the backbone of Operation Asha. They are responsible for default tracking. For every two TB treatment centers, we have a full-time counselor who's employed by us on a salary. And this counselor has to go every evening to the centers he serves and check if any patient has missed a dose. If that is so, next morning the counselor has to go to the patient's house, repeat the entire counseling. The TB is treatable, no one needs to die, it's not a curse from God. And what happens if there is default? All the problems are explained, all the points of counseling are covered in this session. The family is included in the counseling, and the patient is brought back into the system. And this is how our default rate is less than 1%. You mentioned that it takes 70 visits during the course of treatment, and they would lose time from work and therefore pay. But isn't it also possible that people would find out that they had tuberculosis? There would be a stigma associated with this that it could lose their employment, actually even affect their ability to maybe marry, and maybe even be left out of the family unit. Oh, well, the social stigma is so terrible with tuberculosis in most of the developing countries that people are suffering. And now tuberculosis is not just a medical problem. It seems to, become a, to have become a socioeconomic issue. The social scenario is such that if a man has TB and his employer finds out he's thrown out of a job, young women with tuberculosis find it difficult to get married. 
TB is the biggest cause of infertility in our country amongst the female factors because pelvic tuberculosis leading to blockage of the fallopian tubes leading to infertility and in a country where barrenness is a curse you can imagine how much psychological trauma such a patient has to face in india more than 100000 women are thrown out of their houses left to die of disease and starvation left to fend for themselves on the streets if they have tuberculosis more than 300000 children are either thrown out of school because of tb or they are forced to drop out of school in order to take up a job and earn for the family because a wage earning parent has got tuberculosis and these figures could very well be the tip of the iceberg so there is such a lot of social stigma that people don't disclose it we've had patients come to us who've had hemoptysis for 2 years maybe more and they have not come up knowing fully well that these are the symptoms of tb they have not come forward for treatment because lack of education lack of awareness is such a big challenge that we have to face and now we are doing that in a very big way I have to ask you a personal question if I may. I know that you were a practicing gynecologist. You were a TV personality. You had two best-selling books in India about total fitness and the intimate self. What made you make this change in career to become so involved in this public health problem? Well, Dr. Pickard, you've summarized my life very efficiently. I've received a lot from this world. I've been successful as a OBG surgeon, I've written books, TV shows, been there, done that. And now I feel it's my time to give back to the community. And what better way to do it rather than this? Working in public health, I think it's a pleasure and a privilege granted to few. I feel I'm one of the chosen ones that have gone on this path. And this is why I'm serving in tuberculosis because TB is one of the biggest health problems confronting my country. Not only that, when we were medical students, our professors used to say tuberculosis anywhere is tuberculosis everywhere i'm sure people who are listening to this program your viewers your listeners must be knowing this very well that tuberculosis has staged a comeback in the developed world from where tb had been eliminated several years ago so now it's no longer a problem of the developing countries it's a global health issue and i feel that the more hands that come on the deck the more people that come forward to serve this cause the better it is for the world and this is why i'm working in tb you did mention the the fact that tuberculosis is coming back i know that i first read about dots direct observation of treatment in new york city where they began to have an outbreak in the 90s and late 90s and it mainly affected 90% of the patients were non-white and most were homeless there they again had direct observation of treatment but they actually paid the patient to come and get his treatment. Do you have any other added inducements to get the patient to take his treatment? Uh, yes, that is a very valid point. The government of US paid patient to take dots. Now we do not have that kind of funds at all that we can give money as an incentive. We cannot do that. But at the same time as you've rightly put it, we have to have some incentive. And one of the biggest incentive that we give the patients is that if you get treated, you will not infect your loved ones. you will save them from a deadly disease because we tell them that if you do not get treatment you will infect your your wife your children your parents so on and so forth and another thing we tell them is that if you if the disease were to continue you will lose productivity because tb has been found to affect people of the prime working age and it has been found that each patient loses 150 dollars in wages every year 
So we tell them, you want to lead a productive life? You want to earn for the family? Well, take your treatment and we are there to help you. Now, as far as incentives go, though we do not have money to give people, we very often get other things to distribute. For example, sometimes other nonprofits give us high-quality protein powders, protein peanut candies, vitamin supplements, protein biscuits, and so on and so forth. When we have them, we use them as an incentive. We tell the patient, you come for your medicine, we will give you some protein biscuits. And we tell some patients, okay, if you stay with the system and do not drop out even once, we will give you a big pack of protein powder for the entire family. Recently, one other nonprofit gave us groceries worth 600 rupees to be given to the poorest of our TB patients. And we use that as an incentive. Groceries worth maybe $12. It's a huge amount of money for someone earning a dollar a day or even less. And we told our patients, if you stay with the treatment, you get this. Similarly, someone gave us blankets for distribution. So as and when we get all these, we use them as incentives. In fact, that has been one of my appeals to the people, that you give us $15 to treat a TB patient, and you give us things that can help them, that can build their immunity, give them good nutrition as well. We've heard about your organization. Now tell us, how have you done in the last year? We have been scaling four times each year. We started sometime in 2006. And in the last year, we have scaled four times. The number of TB patients that we are treating has gone up four times. Right now, we are serving a target population of one million slum dwellers. We have already treated 2,500 patients, and 1,300 patients are under treatment right now. So I feel we are doing very well. I want to thank our guest, Dr. Shelley Batra, for speaking to us today about her organization, Operation ASHA, an organization that with limited funds is making a real difference in a global health problem. It is not just India's problem, but it is really the epidemic of tuberculosis is a global one. I'm Dr. Maurice Pickard, and you've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable from ReachMD Radio, the channel for medical professionals. ReachMD, online, on demand, and on air. Please visit us at ReachMD.com, and thank you for listening. You've been listening to this month's special series, Focus on Global Medicine. For a program guide and a complete list of shows, please visit us at ReachMD.com and download ReachMD's new iPhone app, Medical Radio, to listen to the same live stream of ReachMD medical news and information you enjoy on XM160, plus CME and thousands of searchable podcasts. Download Medical Radio today.